0: Five, four, three, two, one. Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of The Big Questions with Big John. I'm Big John. And as we continue to interview the libertarian candidates for president in 2024, it is my pleasure to have on the show today Mr. Joshua Rodriguez. He is running for president of the Libertarian Party, the I should say president presidential nomination. For the Libertarian Party, not the president. We don't have presidents in the Libertarian Party per se, uh, but uh, Josh has agreed to come on, and we are very happy to have him on. Josh, welcome to the show.
1: Yeah, thanks for being here. And that's correct. Yeah, I'm 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 running for president of the United <laughs> States, so I'm seeking the nomination of Libertarian Party. So,
0: which to libertarians is only slightly less important than running the LP, right? <laughs> Yeah, I'm not sure which is more work. Exactly, exactly. Well, Josh, it's great to have you on the show. And uh, let me give a quick bio for folks so they get to know you a little bit. I'm going to look over here and make sure I get it right. Uh, Mr. Rodriguez is a graduate of Arizona State University where he got his bachelor's degree in biochemistry. He attended Northern Arizona State U uh, to study chemistry uh, in graduate school and currently, uh, Josh's work is in the area of quantum computing. Wow, Josh, you sound like my kind of guy. Uh, my my degrees are in biology and computer science. So I, I am right with you there, although probably 40 years ago compared to you. You seem like a spry young man compared to the old geezer that I am. Josh, have you always been interested in science?
1: I think I always have been. Um, hmm. In college, you, you have like choices. You can study mathematics or, uh, you know, communications but like what's the most interesting topics to learn i think science has always been that way uh my first couple of college classes were philosophy so all, all those folks uh, were science
0: <laughs> so you you mentioned philosophy uh did you did you choose to take that or was that some sort of core curricula that you find yourself taking in, despite your wanting to go into the sciences
1: yeah i i I've actually taken probably every single class in college, so by the time I graduated, it was like 230 credits. So I took every wow. mathematics class, I took every philosophy class, every science class. Uh, so uh, those sorts of things. Um, science is is just something that's always interested me. So
0: that's great. That's great, and uh, it's funny the way you you kind of uh, mention your your co- college experience because I, I find myself agreeing and nodding my head. You know, uh, I went to a Jesuit university, so of course philosophy was and theology were mandatory courses you had to take every semester in addition to everything else. So I did get that sort of what I'd like to now look back on and say well-rounded education. Uh, even though I chose to go into the sciences, I did have that liberal arts background as well. So I'm very grateful for that. At the time, I was upset that I couldn't take more math and uh, chem and bio courses and physics courses. But um, uh, I think looking back, with the uh, wisdom of experience, I could say I think it was all for the best. So, great. So, you're definitely someone uh, who who clearly is places a premium on education. So, I, I like that. Uh, but to shift slightly to politics, uh, I always try to ask this of my guests. What brought you to libertarianism? Were you always a libertarian? Did you come at it from the left or the right? Or were you apolitical and then so kind of... Through your philosophy courses, maybe you ran into Robert uh, Nochek or something like that. How did you come to libertarianism?
1: Yeah, I I think I'm, I'm, I'm a millennial, so I have that millennial spirit. Most millennials have that volunteer spirit. It's kind of something, if you go to my website, uh, Joshua for uh, Unity, you can find <laughs> a little bit more of my background. But um, it was kind of like instilled instilled in me when I was younger, you know, volunteer, volunteer, volunteer. Um, but i've always been a third-party candidate i I never found myself agreeing with uh, the democrats or the republicans and so Mm. like right now we have a a politician right now she's an abolitionist right she was a prominent figure during the black lives movement in, in denver colorado 2020 right um you know she got elected she is you know wants to abolish the police but now she has legislation saying uh let's take away your gun rights away and so abolish the police and take your gun rights away Just that's scary to me, and so I can never see myself actually being a Democrat or Republican just <laughs> just by even mentioning that, right? And so, the Libertarian Party is definitely the way to, to go. I, I definitely recommend people to go onto the platform website, read it, enjoy it, and just realize that candidates like myself are are very serious people, and so we're trying to move our country forward in a different way. And you can't do that being a Democrat and a Republican. And right. so, when I was um, running for United States Senate in 2020. As a third-party candidate, um, I had the, the opportunity to debate um, uh, like youth-led events or environmental uh, forums, And so a lot of these Democratic candidates were, you know, uh, trying to bash me up a little bit, right? But sure. as a third- party candidate, I was able to do that. You can't do that as a Republican. No Republican showed up. And so um, third-party candidate is just, it's just the way to go.
0: That, that's good. And and actually, I'm glad you uh, kind of explained what you meant by abolitionist, because when you said you had an abolitionist uh, representative, I was like, wait, didn't slavery end a while ago? But I guess you were talking about in terms of abolishing um, what I would assume would be uh, a pre- which what that candidate viewed as oppressive uh, systemic uh, systems, right? So the police, the for all I know, the patriarchy or whatever, right? So... so so that's what you, I'm glad you clarified that. Okay, so let's go to, to what you believe and what your platform is. And um, I know that when I visited your site, which will have uh, on, on, uh, below you there, so people can uh, freely go to your website and check you out. Um, you had four, I would say four pillars to your policy, right? It was healthcare, diversity and justice, education and environment. So, if you don't mind, let's briefly touch on all of those, and and maybe we could go do a little conversational back and forth. Let's start out with healthcare. What, what are your major uh, policy uh, uh, points uh, regarding healthcare?
1: Yeah, I think healthcare overall needs to be changed in a different way. Um, when you think about cu- curing HIV, and so like one of the things I want to do in my first hundred days is uh, cure HIV, and so one way you do that um, right away is to abolish the the fda right you just you get them out of the way and healthcare in general to me means that um you know i'm a president for the people and so i'm not a big fan of you know profit motives in healthcare and as a process engineer you know i'm going to be looking at ways to streamline the process make it more effective for folks um but you know i'm also motivated to end the patents um, from our pharmaceutical companies. We know that if we do that, we'll have um, a lot of um, affordability back in the healthcare system. And so I have a different mindset probably than most candidates or any candidates you've probably ever heard. And so um, healthcare is a big topic. And so it's one of the things my main focus is, is uh, you know, president for the people, healthcare, that's so important for our communities. It's probably the number one thing people care about in the United States.
0: Yeah and and you know what you what you just said is very interesting to me so i want to just uh, maybe ask you one or two follow up questions the first question is uh, with respect you said you want to eliminate the fda uh as i'm sure all good libertarians would would uh, advocate for uh however let me play devil's uh, devil's advocate here let me play statist advocate here as it were um um josh if we get rid of the fda who will protect us from poisonous medicines who will tell us when a medicine uh, is good for us, or whether it has the efficacy it states? Uh, how do you answer something like that?
1: Yeah, you can you can look at your your meat manufacturers, right? They're highly regulated, and so the FDA or some you know uh, government agency might say, here's the oversight necessary to operate. You know, you need to have microbiology testing. For you know this interval and have these types of results, well, these companies um, operate um, in a belief that if they get people sick, they're going to be sued, and so <clears throat> they hired thir- they hired third party companies to come in, and so they're even more regulated than what the regulations might be. And so, when you think of those sorts of things for uh, science companies, you know they put themselves through uh, intense rigor to um, present their information in a scientific journal. Hey, here's the research that we created. Um, here's all the data. You know, Prove us wrong or even replicate it. And so when you think about the FDA sitting around going, well, I'm a Republican-type um, uh, president or I'm a Democratic-type president, you know, we need to come up with um, a policy that matches our platform. And so when you think about drug regulation and the slowness of the FDA, it really is just a big hindrance. And um, when you think about the lobbyists and all the politicians pocketing money from the the whole thing, you know, the libertarian ideas, you know, it's best just to abolish it and trust science in a different way. You know, FDA had right. a purpose, um, you know, you know, people were using dyes with metals um, pharmaceutical companies were creating drugs for like uh, pregnancy, so for anti-nausea, and then there was birth defects. Science has came a really long way. And so a lot of those issues are 100% solved. you know. And so um, science is is in the forefront of technology. And so um, the FDA pretty much is just slowing us down completely.
0: It's, it's funny you mentioned that about the anti-nausea drugs in the early 60s. Um, that is always referred to And for the life of me right now, I can't remember the name of the drug uh, that that we're talking about in that particular case, but um, that's that's the effects of growing old, Josh. Uh, That's what you have to look forward to. But in that case, the anti-nausea drug in the early 60s, that's always pointed to as one of the uh, sort of sparkling examples of how the FDA did its job. But what most people don't realize is the reason in Europe – that we were able to avoid that the situation in the U S that the Europeans uh, had to suffer through was not because the FDA was smarter. It was just that they were a lot slower than their European counterparts. So they didn't get around to approving the drug uh, until after the effects had become known with birth defects. Uh, So let me ask you this. Milton Friedman once said uh, while he, he favored the elimination of the FDA, he understood that people needed some sort of, the feeling that someone was on the case, as it were. So he recommended that the FDA be given uh, the mandate to determine the efficacy of a particular drug or the efficacy of a food process, but not have any regulatory ability uh, whatsoever. Would And he proposed that as sort of a halfway house measure. Do you agree with some, Would you be on board for something like that? Uh, retain the FDA, but their only function would be to say, uh, for example, uh Minoc still claims to grow back your hair, yes or no, and that's it. But they wouldn't have any ability to regulate it, prevent its sale, prevent who takes it and what. Now, would you be on board for something like that?
1: Yeah, I'll just start I'll just like say one of the issues, like for example, with the FDA with soy milk. And so uh, milk is a very widely known product. And so if a company comes out and says Soy milk, you know, mm-hmm. can they use that name soy milk? Is it really milk? And so there is a big debate preventing companies like the soy manufacturers even claiming that mm-hmm. it's milk. And so those are the types of issues where we run into where um, it's 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 all a whole bunch of lobbyists. And so it's it's best just to to wipe it away clean. But as a scientist, you are not going to get someone who's just going to. Um, come down with a magic wand and make the FDA go away and there's not going to be any type of um, regulation. My number one pillar of my platform, right, is healthcare, uh, And so health and safety of the community is the forefront of my campaign. And so when you think about abolishing the police, that's not that's not necessarily the case, but um, you, know, you have gun rights, you have other alternatives. As a scientist, yeah, maybe task force, you know, collect the most talented people who Want to be part of a presidential task force, um, in you know within the government, and then you know tasked them to look at every single aspect of any type of issue going around around the world. And so I think with the scientists, you'll get that science-minded, research-based type um, policymaking.
0: One would hope so, at least, right? Uh, that that we could avoid the politics, even in those uh, sort of subcommittees or or, or or groups that you've just mentioned. Okay, great. One other quick question on healthcare. Uh, I saw that on your platform, you said um, your aim is to reduce healthcare costs. Your goal is $3,000 annually versus what in many cases is over $10,000 annually uh, for families. Uh, how would you go about accomplishing that?
1: Yeah, um, I, th- I think if you look at um, process improvements, um, the biggest process problem that you're going to have within any company um, by 30% margins is... Um, Uh, communication issues within companies. And so if we can come out, uh, figure out a process just to deal with maybe even like one small section um, associated with healthcare, you know, you go out, you go to your your private company that you choose for your services, but maybe a component like um, billing or charging is um, uh, more mainstream. And so we're gonna to have to talk about things like uh, protecting people's privacy and data encryption and data mining capabilities and those sorts of things associated with it. But if we can just figure out how to streamline the process, um, we'll get get improvements right there. And so if you think about um, releasing restrictions for the FDA and allowing companies to do research, re- like real research-based science, and, you know, allowing your doctor to review that and give you the guidance that you need. Um, and then even with patents, you know, removing the patents associated with the uh, uh, pharmaceutical companies, that, that would be a huge um, uh, motivation. But a lot of companies right now in the united states are, are really just profit driven and so if you look at like if you look at the va hospital it's like you know that's for um their particular community it's supposed to be a service that we're supposed to be providing them but at the same time those people are not getting the treatment that they need and, um, you know, it's probably, oh, we need more money or, you know, we need to look at this. It's like, you need to start looking at the people that you have within your community and start focusing on that first and then allow um, other things to come second sometimes because um, we're forgetting about people. And mm-hmm. uh, I'm, I'm the president for the people. And so I'm not gonna just sit here and say, hey, you know, we're just gonna leave you b- behind and forget you and just move forward. Um, that's not the case. We need to go back and fix every issue that we can and then move forward um together you know with unity and so um i think that's my motivation is um people uh uh first uh type campaign
0: no <clears throat> excuse me and that sounds very I, I mean i like the sound of that obviously we want you know as libertarians we're always looking out for individuals not groups but uh i ha- i do have a question that you brought up uh, very interestingly and I know libertarians are largely split on this issue, and that's the issue of intellectual property patents and things of that nature. I happen to fall on the other side of the equation than you do. I'm sorry to challenge you there, Josh, on that, but why wouldn't I be uh, entitled to the fruits of my intellectual labor? For example, if I had a physical design that I patented, I think both of us would agree that it should, it should come under patent protection uh, not everybody should be able to make use of my dis- my physical design. You, you said you were an engineer of sorts. Okay, if we build widget X, why would shouldn't we be entitled to those patent protections? Uh, I understand the need to drive down costs, but it seems to me like turning away patent protection may lead to a de- to a decrease in innovation because these pharmaceuticals, uh, for example, may invest. 10, 15 years in the development of a new drug and something like, what is it? Nine out of, or not eight or nine out of every 10 new drugs that are, are submitted for approval ultimately get canned. They, they don't get approved. They're never used. Billions of dollars go down the toilet. So the only way these pharmaceuticals can recoup a lot of their money is through the patent protection, which is, what is it? 17 years, I believe, for a drug. And by the time the drug hits market, There's only about seven years left on that patent protection. So they only have a short window of money, uh, a short window of time to make back their investment and turn a profit. Now, agreed. Some of these drugs, wow, you know, just they print more money than the treasury, right? So I think I have to push back a little bit. I, I don't know that I'd agree on the patent sort of not being available for intellectual property. Or are you somehow carving out an exception specifically for pharmaceuticals and not intellectual property in general?
1: Yeah, I think what we're talking about is healthcare and pharmaceuticals. Um, I, I think um, we're we're going to definitely be on a debate forum on the presidential presidential stage one day, and we're going to be talking about that. Um, <laughs> yeah, but, you know the fact is, um, you know, pharmaceutical companies are are all about profits, and so there's conspiracies associated with vaccines, all that all that jazz. And so I think people do have like a sour taste in their mouth when it comes to pharmaceutical companies anyway. And so if we're talking about people's health, we need to streamline the process completely. And so if it's 17 years and we were reducing it down to a certain amount of time, but you know, if, if companies really have a intellectual property um, conversation, they really need to protect their own data at their, in their own house and within their own corporation uh and keep their processes um top secret but i think in the end um we're talking about people's health and so um within 100 days we're going to be curing cancer um uh, with uh, curing hiv and then we're going to be working worldwide and uh, collectively as scientists and governments to um cure cure cancer and so uh my main thing is about ending war cure cancer and so if we're spending so much money killing people why not can't we do the same thing collective collectively unity towards peace you know that's one thing we can all fix as a world is um whether we like each other or not is um you know people's health are important and so if we can collaborate and um start fixing a lot of these issues in a fast pace i'm a millennial i want to just press the fast forward button i don't want to just sit here for 17 years while a pharmaceutical company um you know has the full rights of their own intellectual property meanwhile other companies are trying to do their best to come up with something similar or a new product that's closely related, and now all of a sudden there's lawsuits and more hindrance. And so we're gonna streamline the process. So a lot of the, the drug process improvement approval process might be changing. And we know companies, um, if there's a small company popping up like that want to do research and development, you know, within the lobbyist type realm, they're gonna be squashing that person like a, a bug. They're gonna uh, lobby new legislation that, that makes it harder for that company to, um, become progressive. A good example would be like, um, you know, a seafood company, you know, it's a small mom and pop. They're getting market share at one, 2%. Um, they're, they're trending in a way that hurts other companies. So what they, what they do is they lobby and they say, Hey, we need to change the label. Well, um, now it's regulatory you need to have a certain label so now they have to relabel their products well that's twenty thousand dollars a small company can't just bust out 20k to um fix a label that um was you know gerrymandered in some sort of way and so if we're talking about people that's that's the wrong direction and so um, i i
0: agree i agree with you i i've actually had experience of that working with pharmaceutical companies in 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 marketing and uh those black boxes in particular are the the team of lawyers that need to be hired literally to parse out punctuation in these in these statements lest they be sued or run afoul of FDA I, so we're we're in alignment on that that needs to end. and you could probably talk me into some sort of reform around patent legislation around biosimilars where you change the molecular structure ever so slightly but the functional result is the same so you get to re-patent your 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 expiring patent, so you get an extension in essence of seventeen years. So that sort of stuff, I agree with you, but I think we'll have to agree to disagree on the overall concept of uh, intellectual property protection via the patent system. But I, I like the debate. Uh, thank you for for uh, going into that. Okay, the next part I'd like to go into is diversity and justice. Now, to me, this is always contentious in today's world because if you if you talk to a Democrat, or liberal, a progressive, they'll say, man, it's about time. Diversity and justice, these are the two most important societal issues we have. Whereas Republicans will tell you, no, this is just a political correctness. It's just uh, adding layers of politicization to societal issues. And libertarians, well, I shouldn't say anything. How do you, as a libertarian... Uh, what is your policy? What is your plan? Because you called this out on your website. So I'm assuming it's one of your main uh, policy points that you want to put forth. So tell me a little bit, uh, what is your position on diversity and justice?
1: Yeah, I think overall, we have to go back and look about look at all the issues. We know we have indigenous people that we sign treaties with that have unresolved issues with, um, with debts owed of health care and stuff like that. And so... Um, Just really just finding ways um, to uh, provide services to the community. And so if we think about uh, ending the drug war, for example, and um, allowing cannabis to be something that is 100% available, you know, one of the things we can do is allow indigenous people to um, produce and cultivate and manufacture cannabis products on their lands. And, you know, maybe that's like a special thing for them. And now it's federally... You know, uh, allowed. And so, um, you know, finding creative ways to uh, somehow uh, serve justice and give back justice um, for people that have been suppressed. Um, You know, there's a lot of talk about reparations and stuff like that. I I get that question a lot as well. Um, Mm -hmm. It's interesting, you know, could there be families that have a history of, um, you know, Profiting off the backs of someone who used to be a slave, and and whether or not we can go back and you know, um, you know, take back the the profits and give it back to those those folks who who we know are our slaves. Obviously, the Libertarian Party is not going to believe in, um, you know, taking uh, something like I think it's San Francisco right now five million dollars and start handing out cash money to people. But when we start looking at Um, Going back and fixing a lot of the issues, it's it's really just starting to have the conversation. I know um, uh, 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 Biden uh, uh, had uh, comments about um, Asian hate um, type issues, and when you think about um, our African American communities, they were actually pretty insulted by by that. You know, he went out and just selected a group and you know, just ignored the fact that um, African Americans too have been suppressed and hated on for all, uh, many, many generations. And so even now, he still hasn't came out and, and spoke in, in their favor. Um, and so we need to be more uh, equalized when it comes to discussing a lot of these issues. And so we can't just uh, move forward, like I said, and start forgetting about um, a lot of the issues in our in our past. And so a lot of justice issues would be uh, also um issues of like plutonium contamination. The government has severely contaminated lands and um, caused a lot of issues within our communities. And so, in going back and you know finding those lands and fixing them um, so we can move forward in a in a new a new way, a more um, forward way. And and so, when we look at diversity and justice as a libertarian, it's also going to include abolishment of police department. I know there's communities right now in Chicago that said, if you abolish the police, who am I going to call for help? And so I say to those folks, um, if you arm 5% of the community, right, Chicago is trying to do 0%. If you arm 5%, a criminal is going to think twice about who they choose as a victim, right? They're going to go into a store, uh, a shop, and there's going to be a store clerk. You know they might be armed, so they're going to think twice. And so, just arming the community at just at a five percent level will change the way um, your community dynamics is is running. And so, um, you know, we have um, a Latinx community right now that systemically mm-hmm. scores in a thirty percentile on standardized testing. It's interesting to me that we can have standardized testing um, to point to issues that are largely unresolved for years and years and years. You know, there's a debate about whether it is standardized sessions should even exist, especially if you just ignore the results for such a long period of time. But, you know, it's my intention to fix that legitimately, not just talk about it, um, but also the school to prison pipeline type issues. And so um, that's why my my main focus would be abolishing the police department for police alternatives. Right, right.
0: So, let me uh that's an interesting thing you said a lot in there. So, let me let me see if I could at least pick out some questions to kind of uh have a little conversation with you. So, you did say you're for the abolishment of the police department. Uh, now, I want to make sure that we're agreed on the use of the word abolish. Are you saying abolish the police as a as an institution, as a functional department entirely? Are you talking about severe reform? Are you talking about demilitarization? Uh, you're, and, and also I find interesting, maybe you could answer both at once. I'm sorry. The, um, you said arming 5% of the population. Uh, I'm assuming you're a strong 2A supporter. Are you? Oh, uh, yeah, yeah. I'm assuming. Yeah. So we already have that right. So how would you propose reaching your 5% level? Uh, and at the same time, what do you specifically mean by abolishing the police department?
1: Yeah. Um, and that's what I kind of mentioned, we have legislators right now who are Democrat who, um, you know, would choose to abolish the police, and then um, also take your gun rights away. And so uh, communities like Chicago, that would be uh, a huge concern for people, uh, especially for a libertarian candidate. Um, but when I say abolish the police, I, I do mean abolish the police um, entirely. And so um, I, I think the, the way to go is to start with the municipal police department. Um, I think it's one of the biggest concerns in my opinion. Um, I don't think that uh, a mayor, a dictatorial authoritarian mayor should ever have a right over that uh, type of police department. And so I think it should just go away for some sort of alternative. And so an alternative in my mind would be um, a county sheriff's department where you elect the county sheriff. And so if they're not performing, you know, you find yourself a new county sheriff. Um, Also, too, for uh, another alternative would be a state police department. I think state the Constitution allows, uh, you know, gives state rights. And so I'm going to abide by that. But I think the the role of law enforcement in general is investigation. And so when you think about violent crime, you know, police only respond to violent crime. They don't stop it. And so your best defense is self defense. And so. You do have a right to bear arms, whether the law in your state or city uh, severely restricts you. You know, there's a good example of that in Denver, where you have to have permits, concealed carry permits, and if you're a security detail, you need to have special licensing, etc., etc. Um, but what ended up happening was somebody pepper sprayed someone in the face, and whether you liked it or not, the the unlicensed, unlawful By law, a a person carrying a gun, acting as a security guard for a news agency, shot and killed a person over pepper spray. So the situation was just bonkers. But the DA pretty much said hey, we can't fight this. He has the right to self-defense. We're going to drop all the charges. And so you think there would be some level of charges. Maybe there's some weird conspiracy at the news organization, had some homie hookup with the DA, possibly true. But the fact of the matter is you do have a right to bear arms, like you were saying. And so I think people should be a little conscientious of that. Um, But a police alternative to me um, would be um, you end the drug war. Well, now you don't need the DEA. And so you just abolish the whole entire DEA within um, an appropriate amount of time. If you look at our prison population, 60% of the prison population are are there because of drug charges. And so if you end the drug war now, you release 60% of the prison population. And then that should be a good thing for those who are have been arrested and suppressed, right, uh, uh, justice issues. And um, for those families who are waiting for their loved ones back. Um, And so um, another alternative would be, hey, we have self-driving cars now, and so now we don't need um, traffic enforcement, right? So now we found another way to have a police alternative. And so it's my intention to do that for every single law possible. And so with the Libertarian, obviously we're gonna be getting rid of a lot of laws and have smaller government, and that should give a lot of people tax breaks as well. Um, But we're finding police alternatives. And so, so we remind people, health and safety is my number one concern. And so you're going to have uh, your rights and we're going to fight for them back. And so if your local governments are not libertarian, we're going to help you be more libertarian. So that's what you get when you hire uh, a libertarian for uh, president of the United States. So,
0: Oh, that's that's great. And um, it's interesting to me, um, I, as I heard you talk, <clears throat> I don't know if I agree that you're saying you want to abolish the police as, as much as redefine what a police force is so you know a sheriff and his deputies for example is a police force of sorts now but but you you said you would be in favor of a local sheriff so it sounds to me like you want to bring it away from obviously federal agencies like the fbi the dea uh abolish those maybe and you said where whereas you agree states have the right to establish their own police forces that's a constitutional right um your preference would be as close to the community as possible, sheriffs or even community watches or something of, to that effect. Um, so that's so uh, very good. Thank you. I, thank you for clarifying that. Your next uh, pillar is education. <clears throat> and I found two points on your on your website that I thought were interesting. One is you say access to education and advancement in science and technology is at the forefront of what's needed to make the next generation successful, uh, which I, I agree with. And the second thing you say is uh, that recent data shows that the largest growing uh, group in the margin is the Latinx folks, or is that Latinx segment uh, uh, or, or, or demographic. Um, you're saying this group largely scores in the 25th perc- uh, percentile, so the lower quarter percentile on standardized testing. So th- there's a couple of questions here. One is as a libertarian, most libertarians would advocate for the elimination of the DEA. Department of Education, not the DA, the Department of Education, rather, and would uh, eliminate public schooling. And then depending to what degree makes you anywhere from an anarchist to a classical liberal, right? So uh, what is your position on public schooling? Uh, what do you recommend? And how do we get to to the point where I agree with you? We need more scientists, more uh, more hard science PhDs in this country, homegrown. Right now, I think something like <laughs> more than half, of the PhD uh, science PhDs in this country are actually here on student visas. They're not our own kids who are getting the PhDs in these hard sciences. They're kids who are coming here to study from abroad. Right now, hopefully most of them will end up becoming citizens of the U S and staying here, but I'd still like to see more homegrown indigenous PhDs. How would you address that issue?
1: Yeah. Um, I, I started off in politics in particular, um, in 2018, after the Parkland shooting, and so school shootings have been a major concern for me. And so, um, a lot of the issues I think that go on in our communities within our schools is this resentment for law enforcement. And so, um, basically, what happens is we have schools that you know do have have to by law take every kid into their school. And so, when they feel like they can't deal with these kids or Basically, you know, their policies don't allow them to just outright kick these kids out. Um, They're going to bring in law enforcement. And so there you go. You start the school to prison pipeline. And so I think when we start thinking about municipal police departments and their role in education and those sorts of things, um, you know, that's what I mean about uh, fixing those sorts of issues. And so uh, as an alternative school choice alternative, we know that in 2020, Uh, during the COVID lockdowns, one thing that um, I found uh, looking at surveys was a survey went out, do you want to do homeschooling for your kids? And I think it was like 85% of African-American parents said, yeah, I want to do homeschooling for my kids. And I think it's partly because um, kids, you know, don't, might not have a stable home. And so if you think about Latinx kids or those, you know, even whites who have um, issues with um, poverty, Um, you know, having a stable way to educate your kids, you know, my rent's going up. So now I'm forced to go move. Does that include moving out of the district into a new school? Yeah. Now you're gonna have a kid in a new, new school environment where a teacher doesn't know that maybe they had some home issue and that's why they're a behavioral issue. And so if we can, uh, have like a system of, uh, school choice, um, And having an online school that where kids can always have a place to go and it's uniformed and it's um, consistent. And no matter where they are in the world, they have access to education. And so when they're stable and they're able to go back to their public charter school or their school of choice, um, they can. And so um, I think it also eliminates the possibility of interacting with law enforcement as well. And I think when you think about um migration for um Latinx folks, you know uh, some of those kids do um have parents who uh, migrate for work, and so now all of a sudden they have a kid who's low performing into a new school, and the teachers just don't know how to deal with it and so they are also are going from school to school and so when you think about the systemic issues associated with uh, those sorts of standardized testing for Latinx kids, that's kind of like where it's at. And if we can come up with a a school alternative like um, online school, I think that would be a huge plus. Um, But we need to press the fast forward button a little bit. We know that um, kids probably are capable capable of being the smartest generation in United Mm -hmm. States history. And so maybe we can get these kids graduated by 16. And then in some sort of trade school program within the last couple of years, even accelerating them as early as uh, middle school for uh, college education classes. Um, but overall, um, you know, I, I think our Gen X, our, our Gen Zs, want to be social media stars, and so um, you know, it's going to be interesting uh, dealing with kids who aren't really motivated to go to work. Um, um, one of the things is, um, you know, our kids, our, Latin, our Latinx kids are scoring the 25th percentile on standardized testing That the bottom portion of that. And so they also make up the 60% margin of filling the birth rate gap. And so mm-hmm. these kids are largely becoming the dominant um, population, but they're also the least educated, unfortunately. And so when you think about nurses, firefighters, doctors, engineers, um, that's a huge thing, You know, within the next decade, 60% of our community age 65 plus will be retired. And so we have this gap where Gen Zs are not getting trained in the trades. And so cost for housing goes up. Um, Another issue is uh, we have a lot of young people who are dying by suicide at high rates. Um, The second to that would be uh, those dying by uh, youth gun violence. And so we have low high school graduation, low college entry rates, low uh, college graduation rates. And so to me, it's a mess.
0: No, I I agree with you that in certain cases, it does seem like it's extremely um, bleak in some sense. I I mean, I'd like to be an optimist and say the current generation is always going to be the greatest generation. That's always my expectation for, for the youth, but uh, I, I, I'm a little. I have to admit to being a little confused. So when we're talking, so first of all, thank you for uh, giving me some some knowledge here. I was unaware of the the dynamic of the uh, the Latinx uh, demographic and its role in that educational gap that you described. So I was I was really unaware of that uh, that they're the they're the largest growing segment, but they're also the most underperforming segment, and the, that's the worst combination to be right. So I I did not know that. So having said that, though, I guess I'm still a little fuzzy on what would be your vision for, for getting them, and I'm using air quotes, which I hate to do, more educated. Is it the elimination of standardized testing? Is it a stronger public school system? Is it uh, vouchers, is it elimination of the public school system? Uh, I, I'm still a little fuzzy on that piece specifically. If you want to address specifically, how would you help out this really now that you've identified it important segment of, of kids that are the fastest growing, but the highest, but the most underperforming specifically on standardized tests?
1: Um, yeah, we need to do school choice. And so um, we need to allow the, the best school in your community to be the most the pros, uh, prosperous. And so right now we have uh, public education schools and public charter schools fighting over things like buses. And so um, when you think about issues related to school alternatives, um, most likely those alternatives are going to be squashed. And so I think, School choice is probably just as contentious as talking about abortion in your community. And so when you have a new charter school pop up, um, that school district will sue them knowing that they're going to lose and then they're going to appeal knowing that they're going to lose. And so the cost for a school alternative is largely becoming harder and harder. If you take your kid out of that public school, they lose money. And so now there's uh, an issue with funding for that particular school. And I think what we need to do is get the police out of the way. You know, your school can have um, private security. um, And that's one way to move us forward. Um, Another way too is allowing the money to follow the student. And so that money obviously will go with them to their school of choice. And so at the grander end of things, Um, we need to create a a school system that's more universal. And so an online education system, and we can tap into third party, um, uh, you know, uh, companies that do it really well, tap into their programs, um, make sure that we, we hire those task force people to look over the curriculum appropriately in a libertarian mindset, um, and just make sure that everyone has the equal opportunity to education. And so, uh. i I guess the the third thing that we talked about is accelerating our education um a little bit faster i think uh, states like new york are saying that adults are 21 and now they're 24 and so we're really going into the wrong direction with um getting kids ready for the future and i think if we can um get people graduated at 16 most kids don't want to stay in in high school till they're 18 anyway um for our latinist kids it's not necessarily a you know, get rid of standardized testing for it against it. Obviously I'm, I'm opposed to standardized testing. I think it's just a hindrance. Um, you know, I think if we're going to, um, assess people, it's really going to be at the certification process. Um, you know, mm-hmm. you, you maybe take your, your, your exam and or, or whatnot. And now you're, you're qualified as a physician or whatever, but I think our Latinx kids are really struggling and our African-American community is really struggling. Our kids who live in poverty are really struggling. And so, um, I think those sets of things are kind of like where my mindset's at as far as education.
0: Okay, great. Thank you. Um, And the last part of your plank I want to touch on here is the environment. Uh, Give us the the overview of what your uh, position is on the environment.
1: Yeah, I think overall, I'm a science-minded person. Um, If we look at fossil fuels, for example, um, it's probably one of the reasons why I can't be a Democrat is because, um, you know, I'm, I understand it in a different way and so i think a lot of people who think new uh, green new deal is just really you know um uh, opposed to it but um it's a finite resource in general and so by 2050 um, that resource is going to be depleted um, but even when we look at the future of science and technology for transportation and we start looking at battery operated vehicles you know the 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 metals associated with those batteries are also a finite resource and so those those uh you know that particular um um you know um uh, metals are are going to be depleted by 2050 as well and so when we think about hey we can get rid of fossil fuels now move to battery powered um, um but where are we in 2050 we're back to zero right even if we go back to fossil fuels because we have a little bit of reserves you know we're saving those for um war right so our oil reserves are are there to operate um our military our military operates on 90 percent, you know fossil fuels and so right. we can't be consuming that as well and so uh that's where i, I get a little dinged by uh, democrats is because um you know, fossil fuels d- do need to be reserved and so we have to have that as a resource and so we can't just sit here and consume uh, a resource that we might need in the future it needs to be you know safeguarded and in, in, in that retrospect um but if we think about things like uh, uh, he- uh hi- like helium or hydrogen you know protonated um hydrogen uh, helium This, this idea of a super fuel, you know, the moon is supposed to be, um, you know, packed full of super fuel, right? So how do we go to the moon, mine, the moon for super fuel? Um, we have, um, rocket systems, uh, you know, those space rockets that use, um, hydrogen, we have, um, airliners now that are hydrogen powered cars jetliners right that are hydrogen powered and so if we think about future resources um and what direction we need to be going you know those are the sorts of things you're going to get with a science minded um you know president like myself when you you hire me in 2024 right and so you know most most politicians are are, are lawyers and so I'm a scientist not a lawyer and so you're going to get a different perspective. So science to me is um at the forefront of um my mind and my mindset for policymaking.
0: No, that's great. I I appreciate that. That answer as well. Um, so what do you think of moon base to help us mine all those minerals and uh, resources?
1: Yeah, yeah. I was uh I spoke to Blue Origin and so they're doing um this space station and it's a commercial space station, so anybody can uh, go up and, and join that. But the idea was was to use it as a, a middle point, point. and then what you do is you create technology to transport to and from this midpoint. Um, but when you think about the future education of our, our young people, you know we have artificial intelligence, sensors, all this technology that right. you know my generation created we don't necessarily have a use for it. We need the next generation to figure it out. And I, I know growing up, uh, computers was a big thing. You know, my mom pra- practically went, uh they grew up buying me uh, one of the first Apple computers. And so that generation said, computers are important. We don't know what they do yet, but we know that you're supposed to be using it. And so the same thing goes for our next generation. We have sensors and stuff. They need to be building algorithms and, and all that jazz. And so um, we really need to have someone like myself who's science-minded to kind of move us forward in a, in a new direction for sure.
0: Yeah, it's interesting, you know, I kind of smile when I hear you talk about this transitional phase that, you know, you as a millennial looking at Gen Zers and, and whatnot and Gen Yers, um, I'm Gen X. So I, I've literally lived through, when I started on computers, them being on punch cards you know feeding these huge ibm behemoths you know and then slowly seeing the emergence of the first you know the uh what was it the uh, trs80 and things like that you know these a portable computer like back then was this huge suitcase anyway it just meant that you could if you were a strong enough man you could pick it up and move it you know um all the way to pcs and and um you know it's funny how we say, so being in that position my first thought was wow these things are going to be the form of entertainment of the future So I got into uh, game writing when I was uh, younger, you know, still in school, Uh, simple gaming for the simple uh, PCs of the day. And it's interesting that I see sort of the same mindset that, that you're talking about now that, okay, we've got AI, we've got machine learning, we've got all these wonderful things that right now we've just scratched the surface of. And you're, the, you're very open in saying, like, it's not going to be my generation. It's not going to be the millennials that figure out how to use them. It's going to be the next generation that figures out how to use them for um, productive purposes. And I, and I, I kind of like that trans, transition that you have in your mind and in your thinking. So, so yeah, I, I really do align with that when you say something like that. Okay. So the final part of the interview, uh, Josh, is something that I call silly questions. So I'm going to ask you five questions. You tell me uh, there's no right or wrong answers. This is just what comes to your head. Feel free to give me the answer any way you want, uh, and hopefully we'll have some fun with this. Okay, the first question is, much like uh, Coca-Cola your options at a Chinese takeout restaurant, libertarianism has all these options for people to identify themselves as, uh, all the way from classical liberal, minarchist, anarchist, ANCAP, agorist, you know, whatever. If you had to pick one, which one... Uh, how would you self-identify? What, what flavor of libertarianism would you self-identify as?
1: Yeah, I know I'm on the, the, the flavor of libertarian. Um, it's interesting because, uh, you know, I have a lot of va- values that might be conservative or liberal, and they kind of just get smashed up. And so I can never be a Republican or Democrat. I know that. And so I've always aligned with being independent and third party. And so libertarian is just um, kind of like where I'm at. But I can't I can't say that I'm like a classical liberal or, you know, so it's for me, I'm still, I guess, in that, that stage where, um, I, even if I take a survey, it will probably just go, yeah, you're a liberal or you're conservative <laughs> depending on what survey, but, and then they'll go oh, but you, 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 you said, you think you're libertarian. So now we're just going to call you a libertarian. I'm like, God, uh, thank mm. you. This computer survey thing. Um, so, uh, <laughs> it's it's tricky right so um uh, i've been called lots of things by the way so uh, yeah right i can see that because
0: (laughs) your 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 policies are not don't clearly fall into any one camp you know there were portions during the show where i said "Mm, josh sounds like an anarchist you know but then there were other portions where i'm like "Mm, sounds more like an agorist you know but so, uh, I, I, that's why I asked you the question. You seem to be like you could fit into a lot of different things. So, uh, we had Professor, uh, Ian Scoble on the, who's a professor of philosophy and economics and, um, he did a good job of breaking down every flavor like we spent an hour on each flavor and giving like people definitions of it so i'll have to go back and rewatch that episode see if, if i can me determine which one you fall in and i'll let you know if i figure but it me, out but I, um
1: but you're the expert so just just based on the episode so you can just label it right now i'm i'm perfectly fine with that and we'll just go from oh, there oh okay look-
0: <laughs> all right I'll, I'll i'll figure it out like I, honestly the the phrase that pops into my head right now is left libertarian but i i don't want to do you an injustice by mislabeling you so i i will uh put some thought into it uh and and figure well, can, it out for you
1: i can say this gen z's are actually trending towards conservative and most millennials hmm. are actually um trending hardcore liberals so yes it it could just be that that that's my mindset it's just i have a science-minded background so i I always get pegged um uh, possibly more liberal but um once you say second amendment uh, you can't
0: (laughs) yeah yeah you're right you're right you're right there are certain things that definitely don't make you progressive so uh that's an interesting question okay uh just in general favorite sport do you have one
1: uh can you repeat your question
0: yeah sure i said uh, what's your favorite sport if any
1: um, I, I never thought I would like soccer, but when my kids started playing soccer, I kind of uh, enjoyed it, but, um, I kind of was always, uh, it, uh, played, uh, football growing up. And so like hmm. in, uh, my middle school ages in, in high school, our, our team was undefeated. And so I've always, um, thought that, um, you know, that sport was, um, kind of like a team oriented, kind of like a fun way to, um, you know, use some, um, teen energy, right. You waste energy, but. Right.
0: Do you have a favorite team or no
1: um i i I like the Arizona Cardinals for a while but um i I always like watching new teams like uh the browns who you know a long time were struggling and, and they start doing very well so
0: okay, cool a cardinal and the Browns fan you haven't had too many reasons to cheer lately, but uh hopefully that'll change for you uh okay uh do you have any favorite genre of music or groups that you listen to
1: um uh I used to work construction a lot, so it's like uh I guess I call it classical rock, but um uh but I listen to all types of uh, music alternative. Um but I think um for libertarian it's definitely gonna be uh punk rock for a while.
0: So you're the first one to properly answer that as punk rock. <laughs> I'm a big punk rock guy myself, but um uh you wouldn't tell from the gray. But uh yeah, so I, I can I, I've always definitely felt that If you're just going by the uh, by the ethos of things um the libertarianism and punk rock and anarchy sort of all align uh, on the same plane do it yourself and uh, no no direction from record labels or anything like that so uh, i certainly agree with that answer uh absolutely uh which historical figure do you admire like if you said this is the you know especially being a scientist and having your interest in the sciences like which scientist do you consider someone that you look up to or, or uh, pattern yourself after? Yeah.
1: I think it's historical figures like, um, like John Locke, you know, um, mm-hmm. when they start talking about policymaking um, Gandhi, you know, those sorts of figures who just kind of like embody peace. Um, uh, but overall, like even with current um, figures, you know, like, you know those cool cats like uh, snoop dogg and stuff like that you know you go through their history and you th- you would think that like someone like snoop dogg would just be demolished or mm. not be mainstream but um you know he has like a, a real authenticity that you can just kind of like admire and i think with politicians it's um always you have to hide yourself in some sort of weird way like if you're a republican you can't be like oh i agree with this policy if you're a democrat oh, I can't like the second amendment rights. And so when I found myself as a libertarian, um, you're free to be who you are. And so when you're listening to me, this is the president that you're going to be hiring. You're not someone, you know, I'm not someone that's going to be hiding my, my values or my ideas from anybody. Um, and so when you, when you look at someone like that, um, you just admire them, even though you might say, oh, I don't like cannabis, even though, um, where, you know, libertarians are totally going to end the drug war. Um, y- you find people that um, they write, they, they're a true expression of who they are, and you can look at them and be like, yes, uh, um, you know, there's someone that you can kind of um, trust.
0: Right. Well, Josh, those are all the questions I had. Um, so certainly, thank you for joining me today. I really had uh, an enjoyable time, really good time talking to you. I hope uh, you can say the same. Uh, please give us uh, your contact info, where people can go to learn more about you uh, and how they can donate to your campaign.
1: Yeah, uh, please go to my website, Joshua for Unity. That's Joshua, F-O-R, uh, Unity. Um, you know, check out my platform, check out my, my past. There's a lot of history associated with um, community involvement. Um, you know, one of my main focus is going to be, uh, about the people and fixing a lot of the community issues. I know I'll be a, a federal candidate talking about federal issues, but we have a lot of communities that largely go unnoticed. And so I'm going to be working with our libertarian partners. You know, you hired, uh, uh, elected officials. And so I'm going to be working with them and, and helping them out with a libertarian viewpoint. And so just trust that, um, you know, health and safety is at the forefront of my mindset. And so I I hope people uh, vote for
0: me in 2024 when I win the nomination. I love that. And I love your confidence. Uh, Joshua Rodriguez, thank you for joining us. Good luck on your presidential campaign. I look forward to seeing you on the debate stage in the near future. So until then, catch us next time on the next issue of the Big Questions with Big John.
1: Thank you.